What's up, girlfriends? Welcome back to another episode of Shameless Ambition, the podcast. I'm Lindsay Dalen. I'm Justine Eno. <laughs> and we are coming to you this week from Zoom because we <laughs> have just been sucked into the twilight zone of sick kids, life stuff, all the things. And this week we want to talk about what it's like being moms and juggling all these things because this is something we haven't really talked a lot about on the podcast yet. Like we've talked about our kids, but never like Yeah. The mom I mean it's come up in like weird part portions, right? Of like we'll be talking about something and something will come up, but we've never like really dove into the whole conversation. No, I mean, we focus so much on like professional development and personal development. And but the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of our audience are moms and they have to juggle the very real reality of kids in the mix. And it looks so different for us as women and moms because we're raising kids. And I don't know about you, babe, but sometimes it is just exhausting. It's so hard. Sometimes. Yeah, I I mean, like, shout out to the stay-at-home dads, because I know those are out there, too. <laughs> so, I mean, they're relevant in this conversation as well. But, um, yeah, being, and I don't say the priority parent in, like, a bad way or, like, a shame on the other parent by any means. But being the parent that's always on call yeah, is hard. Um, yeah, it's a hard, it's hard. I don't know what other way to put it, because um, you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. so you just do it <laughs> love the way you said priority parent though because like that really is a great way to distinguish you know who we are to our kids and what we do for our kids mm-hmm. and sometimes the dad is the priority parent but I mean for us as, as moms and in our households we are the priority parent and so yeah when the kids get sick our life stops you know like it's when uh 100%. when they- Exactly. And so like, I mean, I've been just in the thick of it for the last five days. And I am actually getting to the point where I have like a bit of a trauma response when the girls get sick, because it's like, I know I'm about to go down and it's going to be just like a suck hole for at least a week. And it's, it's so mentally challenging to stay calm and patient and kind and, and on top of all the things. Yeah, I um actually like well, I was sick last week and praying I didn't get my kids sick. Like I was the one who brought the germ in the house this time. And um cuz you I would rather be sick myself than have my kids being sick because when your kids are sick, it's like you're sick because you have to still surrender to everything and yeah. they don't listen, you know. I mean, well, mine aspen so little like I can't blow her nose, right? Like she just runs away from me. So um yeah I don't know everything gets put on pause and um thankfully for both you and I like I'm more of a stay-at-home mom in a in a sense of like what I do right I mean obviously we have these other passions but that is like my main hat um you are an entrepreneur like you are you know doing all your businesses yourself so we're so fortunate that we ourselves are the boss so if we call in a sick day it's okay but there's a lot of women out there that um, maybe don't always have like the most understanding employers too, right? Of like, really? my kid's sick. Like, you know, you can't send them to day home or daycare or school if they're sick. Um, well, you shouldn't. <laughs> That's my public. You're told send your kids sick. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah. And like lots of women lose their jobs or, you know, lose a promotion or get like sidelined for a promotion because they have kids because, you know, the kids always come first. And that's a really shitty reality that we have to sit in sometimes because I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. Obviously, we're not going to take back being moms like we, that's our favorite thing to do. But right. um, it's hard. Well, it's the ultimate responsibility. And so then when you have responsibilities to an employer on top of that, it really is so hard. And thankfully, you're right. We are in the position that we can kind of just put everything to the side when we need to and and make decisions based on what our family needs first, because we work for ourselves and, and we've set up our lives that way. But I remember the times when I did work for other people and calling in sick was like the most stressful thing in the world. I just would you know, feel sick about it myself because I was letting somebody down or I was wondering if I was being judged. And really, I you just, almost feel like you have to send them like a video of your kids being like puking sick and be like, see, see, I am really not kidding, like, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Right. And it's uh, the unfortunate reality too. Like once your kids are in like a daycare up level, yeah, spring, fall, like these sicknesses always hit and we try to remind ourselves, but then they come to our house like a tornado and, and yeah, they rip I, through the house and just like destroy life as we know it. It's just yeah. wild. And yeah. it's one after another usually, right? Like at least if we could all get sick in the same week and then just like, that was it. But it's like one gets sick and then the next one. And then it's just, yeah, it's hard. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of guilt. I think you mentioned like you used to feel really guilty calling in. So there's guilt on both sides of it, right? And there's guilt when you have to like leave your kids at home sick, if mm. that's the case, if they're older, right? And you can leave them at home to still go to work. There's guilt on so many levels. Just guilt of being mom guilt. <laughs> <laughs> no matter which road you travel, there's mom guilt. So Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, though, I think at the end of the day, if we can put our kids to bed and they know that they're safe and they're loved, whatever else happened in our day, you know, like that was a successful day. We were a good mom that day. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not always perfect. Right. And I think that the weight of of all these things can add up sometimes. And maybe we don't be the best mom that we want to be in that day. And we take out our frustrations and our stresses sometimes, especially when they're sick, because everybody's just so exhausted as it is. But yeah, mom can be a real thing. So uh, so yesterday, this is like, oh, it's, anyway, so I, my nanny is sick right now, because I got her sick. So or Aspen did or whatever, right? So we yeah. got her sick. So she's taking some sick days. So that's totally fine. So I'm like momming hard right now. And um, the girls had dentist appointments yesterday. And I was anticipating being able to leave Aspen at home with Angie and just take Aria. Right. And of course, that didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, I have like a toddler in the dentist's office. And like a right and I don't even know what you call Aria's age, like preteen in the freaking dental chair. And she hates the dentist. So she's already like a basket case. And I'm trying to like, Aspen wants all the power drills and, you know, like all these things. And I'm trying to keep my calm because I'm in public. I'm like, if I was at home, I would not be keeping my calm right now, but I'm in public. So like, I can't lose my shit. So we get through it, we get home and I get Aspen down for a nap and like the baby gate fell and like a baby gate falling. And I was so irritated in that moment from like, 
everything that had led up to that baby gate falling. And I literally took the baby gate and like chucked it across our kitchen floor. Oh, just because wow. I was like, I just was like in a moment, right? And I just chucked it across the floor. No one was there, like in the way of the baby gate. And Aria's just standing there, like looking at me. And I'm like, I need a minute. So she just like goes to her room. And then, but we went, we had a really raw conversation about it after, right? About like, why I was feeling that way and why I reacted that way and a better way to react and you know like the healthy conversation after but yeah. I mean we all have those moments right where we just literally lose our shit because we take so much totally. in a day yeah. um again whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom you take so much in a day and by the end by that like six seven o'clock mark you're like you're out touched yep. you're overstimulated you have like kids yelling, TVs on, whatever going, and you're trying to like cook supper and like it's just a excuse my language, it's a fucking zoo. And you're just like so overstimulated, you explode. Totally. Um yeah, I don't know. I think it's just the ride we're on, to be honest. Oh, uh, that overstimulation though, like that is a real B. I hate yeah overstimulated and don't get me wrong I as a woman I feel like my brain has this capability to run in multiple windows and like I can handle multiple things but what really just like if anything makes me feel anxious it's feeling overstimulated and it's like then I'll hear just one loud noise and it's enough to I probably would chuck the baby gate across the kitchen too you know like it's just the one thing that just makes you I should practice it was more of like a slide across the floor yeah it didn't break anything the baby gate's still alive oh. but no it's um I think what there's a huge difference between being overstimulated and multitasking yeah um I think overstimulated is more of like external things coming at us all day all day like it's like I don't know. It's like someone throwing rocks at you all day and finally the rock just like hurts enough or something. It's just, yeah. um, usually I like, will be so honest. Usually I take it out on Tyler, like not even knowingly, but he'll like come home and he'll always be so nice and like want to give me a hug. And I like look at him and I'm like, I can't, I cannot be touched right now. Right. I cannot be touched by another person. Like it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't want to hug. But right now, after like, are you getting home from school and Aspen all day and the dogs and the cats? Mm. Like, literally, I can't have another being needing something from me in this moment. Yeah, I don't. And you can wait. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like, it's kind of like, but it doesn't always like come out that way. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to hug. And then I like walk away. But <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Right. Like, it's, it's hard. I feel like a prickly porcupine sometimes. But well, I'm with you on that one, babe. Like I yesterday morning lost my shit on Mike and it really just came down to the fact that I was so overtired, overstimulated, just exhausted. The girls had been sick all weekend. He was out of town and I'm sick. So nobody's taking care of me, but I have to take care of these two little humans while I'm trying to just get better myself. And then you throw Maisie's blood sugars in on top of all that. And it's just like, and yesterday morning I was like day three of absolutely zero sleep because Sophia's cough has literally just kept the entire house up and yeah I was just cranky yesterday morning what a brutal way to start a Monday but thankfully I had my little mental breakdown and I apologized to him and he told me it's okay I understand so I appreciated that but 
we do take it out on our spouse sometimes because we don't really have anywhere else to direct that energy. You know, we don't want to take it out on our kids. And if we do, thankfully, we're poor dogs. Yeah. Rufus. But yeah, no, it's, it is. I told Tyler actually yesterday. So I called him after I threw the baby and uh, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, you know, just try to calm myself down. Just had a moment. Right. So I explained it to him and he kind of like laughs like, okay. I was like, I think we might need to put like a javelin output thing, you know, like in track and field out in our backyard. Cause like that might be really healthy for me. If I feel like <laughs> I need to throw something, I can go you know, just like chuck a javelin and feel yeah. good. And he's like, well, there is a punching bag. And I was like, no, like I need to throw, like that's for me. Like when I get to that feeling of like, I'm boiling over, I feel like I need to throw something. Oh, instead, wow. like, and Tyler's like, we'll go punch the punching bag. And I'm like, that hurts me. <laughs> it hurts <laughs> me. I need to get something out. Like, I don't want to hurt myself in return. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think we all have our, like our own little things, how we explode, right? It all looks a little different. But um, I guess that you throwing a javelin would be your way of decompressing. Now I'm just picturing this in my head and I love it. Miss <laughs> Trenchville from Matilda just like <laughs> her shot puts out. Yeah. Oh um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I just um I I don't want to say I see red because I don't, but I definitely sometimes get to a point where I'm like so like over everything in the moment that I like I feel like if I don't explode, I'm gonna like die. Like I feel like it has to be like a release of some sort um but that's I mean that's just me obviously um oh, but my. yeah pardon we carry so much like it's just we it, all do yeah it's just sit on our shoulders yeah. forever like we have to find ways to decompress yeah I even like I mentioned the other day I'm like it's hard to like to walk around your house and this is like something I can relate to with any mom that works from home um or is a stay-at-home mom is like you never get to leave your job, right? right? So it's 24 seven um, and you live in your job. So it's like you walk by a room and it's like, oh, look at like all of the things you have to do stand out. Mm-hmm. Every time you walk by a room, it's like, oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have to do that. Oh, there's that. And it just feels like this like mountain starts to build on you. Of, it's never going to end. Like right. the, the to-do list, the things I have to do. It's just where the time, it's never going to end. Um, I've actually, it's, I think it's because I'm pregnant. Um, and like knowing it's my third um, and really soaking in the moments of like the kicks and those things. I really surrendered into Aspen these last few weeks. And that's been really special and like a silver lining in the chaos is that sometimes it's actually gotten so chaotic and this has never happened to me so far yet up until now in my life that it's gotten so chaotic that I'm like, like literally fuck it. Like, I'll be like, okay, cool. It's like, this, this is it. Like, it's just all clean when they go to bed and I don't know, like, it's just, it's chaos. So I just like lean into it. And then we end up like sitting on the floor reading a book and I'll like, you know, 10 minutes later be like, okay, like, whatever the rest doesn't really matter um yeah that reminds me of a conversation I have often with my sister you know she has two little ones and um they're two and a half and just turned one and 
she was so used to being such a hyper productive, busy person that the reality of like the amount of stuff you can get done when the kids are around is it's not nearly the same. And so I really had to share with her, like Candace, your kids need a happy mom, not a productive mom. And like all of these other things can wait if that's what's needed for you to feel happy. Like, you know, soaking up those moments with Aspen are priceless because before you know it, she's not going to seem so little anymore. Right. And you'll want to sit in my lap. (laughs) She's a busy girl. She's got things to do and people to see. And, um, but no, I think that we have to be able to give ourselves that grace to just enjoy our kids and lean into them because the time really does fly by and we've got our whole lives to work and, you know, the house can stay messy for a little bit longer than you anticipated. Yeah. 100%. It's just like letting go of the right things. And sometimes yeah. I think that, I mean, we're so conditioned, like we live, you know, until you have kids. I, I was 24 when I had Aria. So I lived 24 years of my life, um, always like having the like needing to clean, but being able to clean and yeah. building those compulsions for myself. Um, which can be healthy or not, but then you have kids and you have to learn like, you know, to like lean into those and let go of the other things. And it's okay, I think. Um, but it's a process of learning what to let go of. So. Exactly. And prioritizing that, like as far as, mm-hmm. okay, dude, if you saw my floors right now, you would die. <laughs> they are so bad. And like oh. walking around on them for the last couple of weeks, just like, yeah, got to wash these suckers. But I just haven't had the energy. I haven't had the time. It Make just sure you wear socks. Exactly. Right. I just wash my socks. And, um, but yeah, it, as much as I know I need to wash my floors, I know that I need to get healthy. I know that my kids need to get healthy. I know I need to stay on top of work to some degree so it doesn't stress me out. Like, it's just kind of easy for me to just be like, okay, Lindsay, your floors are the least of your worries right now. Like, they're not going anywhere and they're just going to get dirty again anyways. So like, chill out. They'll get cleaned eventually. Yeah. No, and that's it, right? You just like got to let it go. You got to let the messy bathrooms and the the dirty dishes, you gotta let them go. Right. And that's tough though. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's. What do you think that the hardest part of being a mom has been so far in life? Like what kind of challenges you the most as a mother? And I mean, I know we're talking about all the things that we juggle. So like, aside from that, what do you find the hardest part? I'm so scared. I'm going to mess them up. <laughs> like, honestly, like I, yeah, I mean, it's like my biggest fear. Like I, I never, I never want them to look back and be like, Oh, I wish my mom played with me more. Or I wish we would have done more of this as a family, or I don't want them to have that. I want them to have the happiest childhood they possibly can. Um, yeah, so I just, I guess I want them, I'm, I'm worried about, like, me or, like, my faults messing them up. Because I have them, and we, like, we've talked about how, like, our parents have all failed in some ways. They've succeeded in way more ways than they've failed. But we do, as, like, a parents now, 
we sit and we look at what our parents didn't do or what we wish they would have done. And that's okay. That's how we break cycles. But I can't help but think, what are my kids going to have to break the right. cycle of, right? Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's the hardest part that weighs on me is just making sure that I don't mess them up too bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, girl, yeah. this like tugs right at my heartstrings because yeah. you have such sweet, kind, nice kids. You're you're doing such a great job. They're not even remotely messed up. They're living a beautiful <laughs> childhood, you know? Like, oh, no, I don't think they'll be messed up. I just don't <laughs> ever want them to like look back and wish their childhood had been shaped differently, right? So um, and that like goes back to what we were just talking about is like surrendering into the moment. And I have to remind myself that of like Aspen isn't going or Aria is not going to remember how much I clean the floors right. or how much, you know, like poop stains weren't or were in the toilet. Like they're yeah. not going to remember those things. They're going to remember me sitting on the floor laughing and reading them books or like taking them out and doing something. That's what they're going to remember. So that's that's how I like I worry because I do personally get so caught up in chores because that is like part of our job right like I say all the time like if the laundry if I don't do the laundry the laundry literally will not get done in my house like That's everyone else will go to the last pair of underwear and then be like um are we getting more or like yeah yeah, like, do we order off Amazon? Like, what's <laughs> up? Yeah, so, um, like, if the toilets don't get clean, nobody will clean them. It doesn't bother anybody else or no one else thinks about it. Tyler's really not that kind of person. So if they don't get done, if I don't do them, it never gets done. So that weighs on me. But I have to just remember, like you said, it doesn't really matter if they get done or not. So um, that's my biggest struggle is, like, trying to, like, let that go and then obviously the fear that comes along with it but I would like to return the question to you <laughs> try not to cry I'm just kidding I, I mean <laughs> honestly there's a couple things that I find to be really really hard about being a parent and I mean I mentioned on our last podcast of 2023 Maisie's diabetes that I wanted to share a little bit more about it this year and I think now is the time to just kind of dive in a little bit to what a dark journey that has been and can be sometimes. Like the fact of the matter is, is that at 21 months old, I was, you know, the mother of a critically ill child. Like Maisie was 21 months old when she was diagnosed and I had to learn how to account for absolutely everything that goes into her mouth. And I've made so many mistakes along the way and it's, been really scary at times and continues to be scary at times and you understand because you've had her you've taken care of her for well, a those week. mistakes are like diabetic coma or seizure like the, you know like they're not like, like oh we have to do some like therapy it's like no exactly a lot of, yeah that's kind of like one of my biggest fears in life is that I'll make a mistake maybe I'm I'm too tired I don't think it through maybe I've had uh, one too many beers and didn't think it through, or I told her the wrong thing, or it is such a massive weight to be responsible for running my daughter's body. And it can be exhausting yeah. sometimes. And thankfully I have an equal partner in the sense that Mike is so present and available and he's diabetic as well. So it's like, I have this like 
resource right here. But, you know, I remember a time when I accidentally gave Sophia a needle in the middle of the night because it was just muscle memory for me. She was having a sleepover with Maisie and Maisie's sugars were high. So I just rolled in at two o'clock in the morning and just put a needle in an arm and didn't even realize it was Sophia. And I freaked out and I went barreling into our bedroom and I was like, Mike, what do I do? And he just laughed. He was like, honey, she has a pancreas. It works. She's going to be fine. And I'm like, oh, my way got really hyper. <laughs> right? But it's just like the constant attention. And oh, yeah. And I mean, like, I'll add in there, like, Maisie is like a zombie. So, like, she does in her sleep. Like, she doesn't, totally. she doesn't even notice. Wake her up to do her insulin in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, no, this girl is gone. Like, she just, like, slops out her arm. And it's routine for her, right? So, um, but I, like, I mean, even you sharing the story of how you guys found out she was diabetic is so crazy. And, like, I couldn't imagine, right? Like, it's just it's yeah it's crazy it was such a trip and I'm just so thankful that we caught it in time and that Mike knew enough to check her blood sugars and but it's like I never imagined being the mother of a critically ill child and it's like I almost hate using the terminology critically ill but it it is the fact of the matter and um it's she'll never get rid of diabetes she will never be cured not in this lifetime I don't think and it's um as she gets older as her body changes her hormones change like that's what I'm scared of like honestly managing her as a kid has never been easy this kid has spent so much time in the hospital throughout her life whether it was for diabetes or broken bones or whatever like she's my hard child in that regard um but 100 percent oh like I even just think about them and I'm like oh yeah I mean, so he's my emotional child and Maisie's just like my hard child, right? And And me and Self are like, I I mean, I said to you the other day, I don't even know where we were. I said, Self will run away to me. Like when you guys fight, she'll just like run down the road to me and we'll just like have auntie cuddles because we're so emotional. Like I'm emotional with her. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I I love the kids, obviously. But yeah, and Aria's and Maisie, they're they're great together because they're both hard our <laughs> hard kid. Yeah, exactly so no I worry about um yeah Maisie is a teenager Sophia is a teenager like now that they're 11 and almost nine um I worry about things like the internet dude I feel like that's gonna be our biggest challenge as mom. well and so here's the funny thing I had this argument with a parent the other day and I'm like so open you know this about you just parent how it works for you as long as you're not obviously harming your kids um and aria does have access to internet in her house like i'm not gonna lie and we've just went with the avenue of internet safety right um and teaching her that versus banning the internet because i look at it kind of of like cell phones when we were younger or even like msn or i think i'm like i'm still five years younger than so i don't know if you were on msn but our parents hated it Right. You know, like even just that opening of the portal, they hated it. They didn't understand it. And we were like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, all naive. So I think that in my opinion, it's not going anywhere, but damn, is it scary. And it's like hard to have a conversation with a nine-year-old being like, okay, that person might not be that person. They might be like a creepy person who wants to like kidnap you. Right. Like, 
have that's a hard conversation to have with a nine-year-old I think it's just like a different version of like the stranger danger conversation we grew up with right where it was like yeah. oh you know like if somebody comes up to you at a park and you don't know them like you don't go anywhere with them tell them anything run away and actually now that I think about it that's not really a conversation I've ever even had with my kids because oh, they I have, have with Aria for sure because <laughs> I'm like she'd go if someone's like I lost my dog she'd be like oh I'll come help you find it so I'm like, <laughs> that's true um we, we definitely had that one but but like with the internet and just online predators and stuff like I agree my kids have access to the internet they can google things they can look things up I don't let them sit and crush YouTube like they used to but for me the biggest thing is social media and just putting some hard restrictions in place as far as when they can have that because I just feel like they need to be mentally and emotionally mature enough to handle it for what it is and I need them to love themselves first I need them to know who they are first because you need to be like social media aware and smart and and strong it, to be honest to be able to handle the shitstorm that social media is so I've said countless times, uh, my like, you know, 16 to 20 year old self is so thankful that yeah. social media was not what it is now oh, back then because, yeah. oh my God, you know, like that would be ugly for me. Um, so anyway, but we got to live in a more free time where, you know, like we could go out to the bar and make jackasses of ourselves and we weren't worrying about someone documenting it or taking it the wrong way and then being labeled something that you're not, you know, it's so yeah, they're growing up in this, like, in my opinion, overly sensitive yeah. world and then social media on top of it, where they're being judged constantly um, all the time. So yeah, Ari asked me actually, this is funny, super bowl. She has a friend, a family friend of ours. They have a daughter and she's older than Aria. So I think she's, Sophia's age, I think around, you know, in that preteen era and um, again, teach their own. So her parents let her use certain apps that I'm not down for, but I know that that's fine. And Aria was um, staying at the game and she texted me because she does have a phone and she texted me and she said, Hey mom, I need the password to your Apple account. And I'm like, well, no, yeah. there's a reason there's a password, but like, what do you want? Cause I could have downloaded it from mine and you know, whatever. She's like, I would like TikTok. And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> That's going to be a hard right, So, Yeah. And then I got the cold shoulder for like a week, I think, from her. She was so mad at me. And we had to have a conversation, right? I'm like, you're just not old enough. Like, there's so many dark, dark things that you can fall into or like bad examples. Or yeah, they start comparing themselves. Like, I think I still was playing with Barbies at 12. Oh, me too. For sure. Absolutely. Not, I was not comparing my body to it. I don't think, I mean, I think that definitely came later in life for me of like the magazines and stuff, but still we had magazines and other girls to compare ourselves to. It wasn't like airbrushed and filtered well, everywhere we looked. Can't escape it. Like once they're on no. social media, they can't escape um, the judgment and the comments and the criticism and their young brains aren't mature enough to be able to discern what matters and what doesn't matter you know Sophia asked me all the time for a YouTube channel and I'm like no and she's like well you have a YouTube channel and I'm like you can have a YouTube channel when you're 15 and you can have social media then and you can use social media to 
express your creativity and share with the world. But until then, I will show you how to use social media properly and how to understand it for what it is, because I feel like I've had to go on my own journey to become mentally strong with social media. And like, I'm still learning so much about it myself. Oh yeah. I was just about to say it's ever evolving. Like there's a new freaking you know, app or whatever that comes out every couple of years, like Snapchat, mm-hmm. TikTok, like all these things. And then you have to relearn what that is. And, um, yeah, it's, I was showing Aria, Aria asked me the same thing. She, well, she asked Tyler and obviously Tyler's like, wait, more like, yeah, let's start a YouTube channel. What do you <laughs> want to do? Like, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God. Um, so anyway, so I gave her an example. I said, are you look at my YouTube account? And she's like, okay. So I gave her my yoga YouTube account and she's scrolling through it. She's like, Hey mom, you only have like this one weird person that comments on your video and like, shout out to this person. Cause like you're weird. Whoever's commenting. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, I have no shame in saying that, but this person I'm going to assume is a male, but maybe not, um, comments and he'll like t- timestamp my video and be like, nice glutes. Oh, ew. So creepy, but my videos are public. Yeah. So I can't delete the comments, right? And so it is what it is. Um, but I showed Ari, I'm like, so my videos, honey, I'm like, they're nothing to do with anything. Like mom's fully clothed. Like, you know, like there's no need for this, but that's all that I'm getting. So what do you think you're gonna get? Like there's different spaces, you know, that they can put themselves out there if that's what they're wanting to do. But that's, again, my opinion. But yeah, it's the scariest thing. And so I, I, yeah, I just try internet safety is my go-to there and like being really honest. And I think that um, this is something that I'm not in agreement with a lot. Like lots of people will diss me on this and that's okay. But I'm so open with Aria, like yeah. unbelievably open. anything she wants to ask me ask me and I will tell you the truth so no joke last night I'm making supper I don't even know how the conversation got up oh I think she was like wanting to watch Jimmy and George or Georgia and Ginny or something and I was like well some really inappropriate things in there like you know and she's like like it's like sex mom I'm like (laughs) yeah like like sex and she's like yeah have you and dad had sex and I'm like well, yeah, that's how you make a baby. So we've at least done it three times. Yeah. And she like laughed and just like, like walked away. But then she has like all these questions about it. And so I'm not the parent that like shies away from the conversation though, because I'm, I want her to ask me because I don't want her to go to school and ask a friend who doesn't really have the right answer and then gives them the wrong answer. And then she thinks one thing is another thing or, you know, I want to know where her mind's at. I totally agree with you, babe. And I think that it's so important as moms that we are open with our kids and create a safe space for them to talk to us about anything because anything, anything, I I, I want my girls to come home and talk to me about anything that's on their mind, because I want to give them the right answer. Like you said, I want to make sure that they're well informed, that they've had the space to ask as many questions as they'd like to learn and grow. And, and I want them to just know that mom's got their back, no matter what, like, no matter how you're feeling, whether you feel weird or stressed or anxious or nervous or cause growing up is, is hard, right? Like being a kid is hard learning about so many different things every single day. And it's our job to help them make sense of those things. And we can't do that if they're not talking to us. 
Yeah, I'm like to be so open and honest. Not that I'm usually not. Anyway, um, so like my mom left um when I was like nine, I think. So I did, and I had older sisters, but they were already moved out. So it was me and my dad. Like I got my first period with my dad had the virginity talk with my dad like all those things were with um my dad which is obviously a little different because he had no idea (laughs) what was going on with me um but I think that and this is not on him or my parents or anyone but I think of having lack of knowledge about sex and boys and friends like girl like girlfriends how to work through that um really made me learn some things the hard way Oh, because yeah. I had I had to learn because no one told me or gave me the heads up that I even trusted really if someone told me I was like man whatever you know um so yeah that's what I want to do differently right it's it's hopefully that they feel open enough to come to us before they do the action whatever that is to a friend or if it's partying or boys or whatever it looks like yeah. that they come to us with the question first and we can at least give them the options and the repercussions for both and then let them make the decision totally from there but yeah Yeah, I mean I I can't imagine what that was like not having that female role model in your life and you know your dad's such a rad dude that like I just I I love your guys's relationship so much and it just he killed it with you obviously but just to have to be able to go to your mom and say, Hey mom, I'm curious about this and to have her be able to make some sense of it or, or at least point you in the right direction. Like I'll never forget telling my mom. Was, oh, you go. Sorry. <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, you go. Cause I, it's hard on zoom. Cause we have like a second delay. Okay. So you were telling <laughs> your mom. Okay. Keep going. When I was younger, I told my mom, I wanted to go on the birth control pill and we had always had a very open conversation (laughs) about sex and what that meant and um the the deal was that I would tell her when I was ready to start and so I told her I wanted to go on the pill and she said well what kind of questions do you have about sex like what can I share with you and I was just feeling awkward and weird and like you know here I am this is like I'm in love with somebody and I want to take this next step, but I don't know how to talk to my mom about it. And she could tell that I was feeling weird about it. So instead of forcing this conversation on me in a weird way, she scheduled an appointment with a public health nurse for me to go talk to a complete stranger, but at least somebody that she knew was wildly educated in the topic. And so for safe ways. In a like, safe way. Exactly. Yeah. And so within two hours of talking to this nurse, I got a sex education and came out of there feeling so much smarter and more enlightened and not weird because I was never going to see this person again. And so I, I think that that was one of the most powerful things my mom ever did for me was realize that maybe she wasn't the right person to give me that information, but then find the resource that was. And that's something that's that so I- good that you guys had the relationship that you still went to her in the first place. And then she's oh, like, right. okay, let me facilitate this for you. Yeah. Like, I think that's absolutely like kudos to your mom for that. Cause that's really amazing. Well, and that's what we're striving for, right? Is that open mm-hmm. relationship to say, hey, this is big life stuff. Please come talk to me. You know, like I don't well, expect my, my biggest that. regret is or my my biggest, I guess, from regret was me, but fear for Aria too, with like in regards to, you know, like sex and sex that are all my kids, is that they say yes when they want to say no. Right. 
right? And like this conversation is a big conversation that's been brought up across the world. Um, and thankfully, like I'm so grateful that, um, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like the world's more oversensitive now, but at least with that, people are talking right. about their experiences and what they've went through. And so I feel like the world is a lot more open um, yeah. about that than they were when, and obviously we didn't have social media when we were teenagers. So, um, but to really like have their voice, right? Because how many times in your life, and that's rhetorical, so you don't need to answer, but like, did you say yes, but you wanted to say no? And right. I never want that to be something with my girls. Like I need them to know, like if they don't feel it, if it's anything, not even sex, they just say no. That's right. You know? And um, yeah, so that's powerful for sure that like we make sure that they know that. And yeah. Well, and that's our job as their moms, right? Is to be that representation of strength and confidence and courage and bravery. And, you know, if they see us just giving in to absolutely anything and everything everybody asks of us just being yes women in whatever regard that might be, then that's what they're going to grow up to think is the expectation. It's like, I think it's good that they see us make mistakes. I think it's good that they see us freak out sometimes, have to apologize sometimes. Like they're they're and apologize to them. Like I think that's a huge thing that like some people don't ever they're like, oh no, I yelled because I'm your mom or I said so. And I'm like, well, no, like you still gotta own up to it. Like, you know, you have to say sorry to them too. So apologize key points the time when I feel like, you know. I should. And it's just an acceptance of the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes, but it's also demonstrating to them that it's like, Hey, you know, made this mistake. This is how I handled it. Now it's time to move on. And life goes on because I think that, you know, developing those kind of just like self-awareness tactics, nice and young in them is what's going to help them have that courage and strength and bravery to say no to the things that they want to say no to and to stand up for themselves and to have a voice. And I think our girls are growing up in such a different time where like, it's different from how we grew up. It's different from how our parents grew up. And I don't think that we should ever forget that because if we assume that everything's supposed to be the same, it like, we're just setting them up for failure. No, I agree. And I feel blind in the world they're growing up in, you know, like, and I'm not going to share, this is their stories to share, obviously, but even like with Maisie and Aria, I know what happens in Maisie's day and you know what happens in Aria's day because they share their days almost every day. But even the things that they're going through and the grade that they're in, it blows my mind. Yeah, it's like what? crazy year for that stuff, hey? Is it like, isn't this, shouldn't we be like three years <laughs> ahead? Like, and this stuff happening, like, why is this stuff happening so early? Right. Um, Like the puberty starting earlier for kids. Like, it's just all these things that we have to be like super conscious of, of like their world does not look like our world did. Right. You know, it's, it's a whole new lens. So if we're trying to parent them from our lens of our world, it's not going to work. Well, and isn't it so crazy that it's just like, as we move through our days and as we design our lives and we create our our dreams and pursue our ambitions and all these kind of stuff, we're having to keep up with such a fast, rapid changing pace all the time as it is. And then to try and parent kids throughout all of that and all the other stuff that's like changing by the day, like it's 
it's no wonder moms are overstimulated, overexhausted, <laughs> you know, like undercare. Well, trying even to like regulate their emotions yeah. while regulating mine. Oh. I'm like, there's like three sets of emotions going through my house right now. Who gets to go first? That's you right. know, like it's, it's hard. And I mean, I know your girls are at that age, but I have already at that age too. And it's, I mean, man, that girl is a basket of emotions. Oh. And it's just like me, but I can internalize mine. You know, like I can work through mine mentally. Yeah. I don't know how to work through hers because I'm just like, you know, so I'm like, okay, go take some space because that's all I can really like, you know, right. sometimes if there's nothing nice to say, we need some space. That's right. But yeah, I don't, it, I think it's tough. I think whether you're a mom to girls or boys or both or stay at home mom or a working mom or Whatever that looks like, I mean, like this hat of mom is the hardest job in the world. Absolutely. And it's not explained. It's not, it can't be explained. And it's, it can't be, I think that's maybe the hardest part too, is like we try to explain it to people who don't know or try to explain it to our partners, but it's unexplainable. Like it just has to be lived to be understood. Yeah. And yeah. Only moms get it. Like really only other moms get it. And we are, you know, this tribe and this club of, of women who are just trying our best to raise the next generation of human beings to be right. kind and productive and, you know, contributing members of society. My biggest, like, if anyone could take anything away from this episode is like, remember if, even if you're like out of chapter, you know, like one and two and three of being a mom. So your kids are older and whatever. If you see a mom in public just struggling, just like love her. Love her. That's like, it, right? Just just remember when you were there, right? When you had like a screaming toddler or a screaming newborn who just shit their pants or a toddler who just peed their pants or whatever it looks like. Or just a mom throwing a baby gate across the floor. <laughs> whatever it looks like. Instead of going into that instant like judgment and being like, holy fuck, they should get their shit together. Excuse my language in that sentence. But instead of going through that thought, like giving them compassion, like ask them if they need help. They're probably going to say no, but ask anyway, or say they're doing a good job. Um, Cause that's sometimes all that they need is to know they're not alone yeah. or being judged. Well, and every mom, that's my biggest takeaway because we're all there. Exactly. We're all there. And every mom has a different version of hard, whether they are, you know, like at that infancy stage and toddlers and that kind of stuff, or maybe they have a teenager that has an addiction problem or a, a baby on the way before they should, you know, like, it's just, I don't think that become that being a mom ever is just easy. I think easy. that no matter yeah. what you're going to stress and worry about your kids and hope that they're okay. And they're going to, try every ounce of your patience till the day you die type thing but this is a side note before I have a long quote today it's only like it's about two minutes it is a bit longer though I love but, you. Oh, yeah <laughs> but uh this is just reminding me you said that it's like you're always gonna worry and so when was it it was when we went to Kelowna um for that gala my mom was like hey sweetie do you mind sharing your location with me just so I know like you make it there and back okay yeah and I was like of course sure mom and then I got back and she's like, do you mind just keeping it on? And I was like, uh, yeah. And she's like, well, no, it's just like sometimes in my day, I like to look at where you are and just like, no, you're okay. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm looking back and I'm like, oh God, like 20 year old me would be like, mom, get a hike, like, or get a life, like take a hike, you know, like you're not following me. But now as a mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, if my kids gave me the permission to follow them around oh. their whole life, just so yeah. I knew they were okay. That would make my heart so happy. So share your location with your mom. If you can. Every once in a while, like if I'm traveling, she'll ask me to do that. And, uh, yeah. but no, I, I mean, my mom is always just happiest knowing that all three of her kids are happy and healthy. And I actually don't really think she worries about us too much anymore, which is really nice because there were a oh lot of issues that we were a lot to worry about. So. <laughs> she knows you guys got it. Oh yeah. No, like from where we started to where we landed, we're doing pretty darn great. So that's so funny. Um, but no, I mean, I don't think a mother ever really stops worrying about her kids and her grandkids and her family. And um, but it 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 everyone has their heart. Everyone has their heart, and it's nobody's alone, although it can feel super alone sometimes, but you know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a complex thing, right? There's a, that weird word that I use of like duality, right? To it, like you feel alone, but you're not. And it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's it's tough, but it's okay. We're we're in it, and um, yeah, find a community, like you said too, right? Like find some other moms that are in the same chapter as you, if you need to kind of like really it's lean like, into how it. How great has it been to have each other, especially over the last week when we've just been in the shit storm of like sick kids and just like all these different competing priorities. And in the meantime, we're just texting each other like, what do you need, babe? I got you. Send yeah. in funny, you know, TikToks and videos just to kind of keep each other feeling light and bright. Just even like acknowledging like, I see you like you know I got you I see you I hear you like it's not you're not overreacting you're not being a baby you know you're not it's validating it's that validation that sometimes you don't get that you need of like it's okay yeah you know and it's huge so yeah are you ready for the quote close it out with the quote to all the this quote fell into my lap a couple weeks ago scrolling through tiktok And, um, I tried to actually type it and find it online and I couldn't, so I had to go back to the video and like pause it and write it out and pause it and write it out. Um, but so this poem is from a book called from one mom to a mother by Jessica Ehrlich. And I actually think I'm going to order it. It's off Amazon because this poem is like on point, but bear with me. It is a little long. So it's called mom things. If I could go back. I would tell her as, oh, and sorry, it's, I should, um, it's things I would tell myself as a new mother. If I could go back, I would tell her that one day she'll look back once the fog has cleared and realize that those days were filled with magic. The type of magic you only see long after the trick, the beauty, and then the bittersweet. I tell her that The memories she'll lose herself in won't just be the milestones, but those long nights, she will never forget the pain of the fatigue, but the nostalgia of color will, will color her memory and she'll find herself aching to breathe in those cuddles once again. I tell her about the tears that each day and each cry she is learning. I'll tell her that I'm not just talking about her baby's cries. I'll tell her that she'll have alone time again, but it'll feel like two hearts wandering in different directions. She'll ask if it will always feel that way. I'll tell her I don't know yet. 
I'll tell her that her eyes will close and the sun will rise, but in between those moments, she'll feel so alone in the company of the stars. I'll tell her that each one of those stars is another mother feeling the exact same way and that she is actually never alone. I will tell her that she doesn't need to be a perfect mother. And the moment she believes there is such a thing is the moment she believes she is failing. I'll tell her that she is moving mountains even when she loses her footing, especially when she loses her footing. I'll tell her in some ways it gets easier, but for every first, there is a last. The hardest part is not realizing until after that chapter is closed and you're turning back the pages, trying to trying to pinpoint when you forgot to say goodbye to that mispronounced word. Aww. I'll tell her it isn't a typical love story. Motherhood is the raw, unedited version with all the outtakes, which is what makes it the most beautiful love story of all. I would try to describe the power of the infinite love she will feel how it will consume her, scare her, and comfort her. That a love like this is a silent language that speaks volumes. Only I won't tell her these things because she will forget, like we all do. So we can discover them for ourselves, as we're meant to. So instead, I would simply tell her that she is seen, she is amazing, and she is enough. Oh, that was beautiful, babe. Yeah. Yeah, that's I like, loved it. I I bawled like a baby the first oh, time I heard it. So right. I was like, that yeah. has to be safe. Yeah, yeah. it's great. But <laughs> so I but yeah, it's that perfectly summarizes. You know, essentially the conversation we were trying to share in the sense of that you are enough. You know, like it's you are enough. And as a mom, it can feel so challenging to feel like you're enough, but you are. So yeah, and so many people say it, but one day, like I we had this chat one day you'll look back and wish these days back that's right so when it gets really hard in your day try to remember that you'll wish it back one day oddly enough <laughs> <laughs> uh, well on that note babe thank you for another epic episode Ooh. we're sending all our love out to all of our listeners especially the moms this week and uh, yeah we'll catch the you moms with sick kiddos we hear you that's right we got you <laughs> Yeah, we're there. We're living life. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.